Well, good morning, everybody. This morning set up a little bit differently uh, schedule-wise. So if you're a kid, fifth grade or under, and you want to go take part in a children's ministry, this is your chance to escape. <laughs> so head on over there. Your teachers are ready. They got a good, great lesson for you. How many of you guys got to catch fireworks last night? Our family did. Good show in PV. I, I got to hear Carolyn teaching little three-year-old Luke about what, what this was all about. She told him this is America's birthday. And Luke, man after my own, own heart, said America needs birthday cake. <laughs> Freedom. Wow, what a, what a precious gift we have to gather here this morning and open the Word of God. One, one of the things that strikes me about fireworks, they wait till it's dark, right? Because they, they show up the best when it's dark. And, and I couldn't help but seeing that a picture of why we're here as God's church right now during this season of history. I know it's dark out there, but listen, those fireworks show up best against a dark sky. And I believe it's the same with God's truth and the good news of Jesus. And that is why we're here in this world to shine the light of Jesus, right? It is getting dark. Uh, Carolyn shared a meme yesterday that maybe you'll resonate with, it said that the news used to tell you that, that something happened, then you had to decide what you thought about it. Now the news tells you how to think about something, and you have to decide if it even happened. <laughs> Anybody resonate with that? People are wondering, what in the world is true? Because I am getting so many different stories on everything. People are looking for truth. She, Carolyn also told me that that Google searches and other search engines, the search for the word truth right now is going off the charts. People are trying to find something to hold on to because it's difficult these days. Again, that's why we're here. You look out there at the discouragement and the, the folks that are disheartened. I think about the lyrics of a song called Rise that my buddy Lee sent me. Lee was sitting right here last week. The lyrics say, broken souls on the city streets fall apart while the city sleeps. Fading hearts of a generation, tired eyes of a desperate nation, blank stares and empty grins. When did we let darkness in? It's time to light it up again. That's why we're here and we have the light. Where's the ultimate light come from? Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The, the light, the truth that this world needs is in God's Word. The Bible. 1 Timothy 2.4 Paul says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we're here, to spread that message. In 1 Timothy 4.15, he calls the church, he says, you are the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. If people are looking for truth, they better be able to come to God's church and hear God's word. Because that's where the truth is. You remember in our series through the book of Ephesians, we talked about the spiritual battle. We talked about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, and you remember, we said, if, you, if you're out there fighting spiritual battle with anything but the word of God, this is what Satan sees. Ooh, they got a feather duster. What a great story. What a great anecdote. Ooh, I'm scared. But you pick up the word of God, which is alive, which is alive and active. You know it. You live it. By faith. 
Then you've got a weapon to fight with. We need God's Word. Many of us in here would agree with that, but there's bad news in the world when it comes to knowledge of God's Word. Biblical illiteracy is spreading like a plague out there. Folks that don't know the most common things you would think they would know about the Bible. Ed Stetzer from Lifeway Wheaton Bible College Moody Memorial did a study on this a couple years ago. And listen to some of what he found. One, One of the studies was done in Britain and they started with the kids. Started with the children in Britain. Almost one in three did did not know the nativity story was in the Bible. The story of Jesus' birth. One in three didn't know it was in there. 59% of those kids did not know that the story of Jonah being swallowed by the great fish was in the Bible. Say, what about the parents? One third of the parents in Britain interviewed did not know that Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, or the Good Samaritan are in the Bible. And this is where it gets really weird. I'd like to think this is fiction, but it's in the study. 27% of adults thought Superman is or might be a biblical story. More than one in three believes the same about Harry Potter. And 54% interviewed believe the Hunger Games is or might be a story from the Bible. What's even more humbling is it, is it comes back to the church. You'd like to think, well, it's different in the church. Maybe, but only slightly. They found that only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. Less than half of the church. Over 40% of the people attending read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. Almost one in five in the church say they never read the Bible. 20%, which is about the same that say they read it every day. It goes on, 67% of Americans believe heaven is a real place, but one in five people who describe themselves as evangelical Christians believe there are multiple roads to heaven. Jesus is not the only way, one in five believe. 59% of folks who describe themselves as evangelical Christians say the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being, not a personal member of the Trinity. As a whole, he concludes, Americans, including many Christians, hold unbiblical views on hell, sin, salvation, Jesus, humanity, and the Bible itself. Now, that's pretty dark, right? It's an opportunity. It's it's why we're here. And here's the good news. In that same study, 90% of churchgoers said they have a desire to please and honor Jesus in all they do. 90% want to please and honor Him. Almost 60% agree with this statement. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truth. So what what he concluded with is is it's striking that many people want to honor Christ, want to please Him, and yet they're not doing one of the most important things they can do toward that end, is spend time listening to God's will through His Word. What's the challenge? 2 Timothy 2.15, church, listen to this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth, okay? We're coming to the end of Ephesians. This is our last week in Ephesians. We have been in this book for months 
And we've been struck time and time again how the messages were timely in God's schedule for what's going on in the world. Some of them were online only. Some of them were in person and online. But God was always leading us through this book of Ephesians. As we review today, I I thought there's a lot of ways we could do this. But big picture, Paul did some of that a couple weeks ago in a great way. He, He showed us how this book kind of overview style led us into spiritual warfare. So we're not going to retread that ground. That was a great review. What I want to do this morning is put ourselves in the church of Ephesus' shoes. Paul came to Ephesus, as many of you know, Acts chapter 18, 19, spent a few years there preaching. People got saved, they saw miracles, and then he left. And he actually got put under house arrest, where he's now writing this letter. And what I want to do this morning, for this church in Ephesus, I want you to put yourself there. You love Paul. You remember when he was here preaching, and maybe you even got saved when Paul was here preaching, and now you know he's under house arrest. And then the word starts spreading around. Hey, Liz, did you hear that Paul wrote us a letter? Yeah, Tychicus just delivered it. it. It just got here. Did you hear, Shannon? This Sunday in our house church, we're going to get to hear what... Lemuel, did you know Paul sent a letter? Can't you, we can't wait to hear what it says. Are, are, you, are you coming? What did he say? What did he say? And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to imagine what it was like to be in that church in Ephesus. We're going to have different folks come up here and read God's word as though we were sitting there in Ephesus. Now, I know some of you are like, whoa. That book has six chapters, and I'm an American with a short attention span in 2020. I know, I know, I get it, I get it. But I want to challenge us too, like in Proverbs, when it talks about getting to the heart of God, getting to God's wisdom, it talks about it as though it's mining. How many of you know in order to get those jewels out of the earth, you don't usually just scratch the surface, you've got to go digging. It takes time before you find those diamonds. That's how it is with with God's word. So we are going to dive in, and I hope it inspires you to do the same during the week. Because we have this thing going on in in the church at large. Like, we want it all secondhand too often. Now, don't don't hear me wrong. We believe in teaching the Word of God. That's what we do here week after week after week. We believe in small groups with leaders who help us navigate the way. But if all we get is second-hand exposure to the Word of God as a Christian, we are missing out on so much. If, If everything we get is regurgitated, abbreviated, and illustrated by someone else, I believe we're missing out. He he sent the Holy Spirit to be our teacher as we open the Word and say, what are you saying today, God? So if nothing else, I hope this little Ephesus experiment this morning gives us a hunger for the Word of God. It's also a chance for us who have been sitting through the preaching of this book for months now to, to listen and say, what verses in this book will change my life forever. Because I would hate for us to go through this book and then just kind of leave it behind us. We are going to move on to 1 Peter next week. And for those of you who are getting nervous, we'll be back to our normal preaching schedule where someone reads a little passage and we preach. But before we leave Ephesians, I pray you will find one or two things that God had placed on your heart during these months together 
and before God, commit to him with his help that my life will never be the same because of that truth or this truth that you showed me in the book. And we're also going to do a couple other things to help us because of our uh, short attention spans in our culture. We're going to break the book into two sections. We're going to have three readers come up and then have a song and then three other readers. And, and for accountability's sake, we've installed yawn camps. Okay, it's, one, it's one thing to yawn when a preacher's up there rambling on, as they sometimes do. It's another thing to yawn during God's Word. I'm just kidding about the, the cameras. But think about it. It's God's Word. What does a yawn say about how we believe, how we feel about God's Word? But I want to set this stage, because one of the things that's important when we examine a book in the Bible to know who wrote it and who, who he wrote to and what they were going through. And I want to put ourselves in the shoes of that church in Ephesus, wondering what, what kind of things might they have been wrestling with as they heard, hey, Paul's letter just got here. What did he say? And I want to throw out a couple suggestions that'll help us see, A, yeah, they, they had some differences from us, but B, as humans, they likely also had some pretty real similarities. Here's some of the questions they, they may have wrestled with as they awaited Paul's letter. Listen, life used to be all about me, but after hearing Paul preach a while ago, I gave my life to Jesus. Now I want to live for Jesus, but what does that even mean? What's my purpose here? I used to make trinkets to sell at the great temple of Diana. Now I'm out of work because I turned to Jesus. What kind of blessings can I count on from God now that I've given Him my life? I used to find power in my insignificance, in my magic and sorcery, but, but I learned that was an evil path, so I burned my books, my magic books, along with all those other people. Now, where do I find my power? Where do I find my significance? What kind of power does Jesus have for my life? Or maybe this one, my closest friends have turned away from me because of my new faith. I'm so lonely and broken. What kind of love does God offer me? I also need some human relationships. So what's this group called the church all about? And with that in mind, I want to invite our first reader up. Bill's going to start with chapter 1. Let's listen to the Word of God. Good morning. So Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious name with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth 
in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we, <clears throat> so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the, holy, with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me this mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand, or when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gifts, gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make known and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at the tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened in might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You guys can be seated. Now, a moment of honesty here. As just one out in the crowd taking that in, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Don't you get a little antsy? Like, isn't there part of you that's like, I want an illustration, I want a story, I want an example. Can we, can we be honest here? It, it's stretching us, right? Hearing that much scripture in one setting. I promise you that's what it'll be like if you try to take it on at home as well. But how, how many other runners are in here? Any other runners? Samuel, thank you. <laughs> Walker. We first start getting out there, especially there are mornings you wake up and it's like, I don't want to do this today. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like going out there. I want to sit here on the couch. But what happens over time? You start getting out there more and more and you get to the point where you miss it if you don't do it. You actually realize, whoa, I feel so much better when I get out there and get a little bit of exercise. I, I want to do it again. It's like that with God's Word. It, it's a discipline. It's a discipline, especially if you're just getting committed to getting into God's Word on your own. But I promise you, the more you get in there, the more you will crave it. The more you will realize you don't want to go through a day without it. The more you realize I'm in my Father's presence hearing Him directly, not through somebody else, just what He has for me today. That desire for a story or an illustration or example, one of the things that I thought about sitting out there, listen, God wants illustrations and examples and stories in all of our lives. We heard His Word, now what He wants to do is work it into our lives so that, that we all have a story of Him working. We're a visual picture of His Word at work in our lives. So you want a story or an example out of reading God's Word, that's one way to pursue it. But we're doing what God told us to do. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul said to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And a lot of times we get the teaching. But he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. This is good. This is wholesome. So those first three chapters we looked at, when Paul broke it down a couple weeks ago, he showed us very clearly how those first three chapters... Paul really drove home what God has done for us as believers, right? But the second part of the book that we're just about to get into, chapters 4, 5, and 6, talked to us about how we are to live in light of what God has done for us. It's a response. Wow, look what God's done for me. Look what He calls me. Look what He's made me. Now, now how should I live in light of that? Again, I put myself in the shoes of that Ephesian church and thought about some of the questions they might have been wanting answered. Questions like this. Now that I've found these other, my, other believers in the church, what, what's my part in the plan? Like, do I have a part to play? And if so, what, what is it? Also, by the way, I'm realizing that some of these believers rub me the wrong way. How does God expect me to act toward them? I had so many bad habits before I came to Jesus. And if I'm honest, I find myself being pulled back into those but what does God want my life to look like now that I'm His follower? How can I be a good witness? And what does it look like in my workplace, my marriage, my family? And the last one, 
I thought coming to Jesus would make my life easier, but if I'm honest, it feels like the battle has gotten more difficult. I am tired and I'm discouraged. How am I supposed to fight through this day after day after day? With that, I'd like to invite Sandy up for chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience, hearing with me another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, of all who is over all and through, through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he assembled, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended, but what does it mean? But that he has also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the angel apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue, excuse me, of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to the fro, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes, rather speaking, in the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that he build, it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk in the Gentiles, that the Gentiles do, in the family of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have been themselves, have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned uh, you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to be put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth which his neighbor for. We are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give the opportunity, no opportunity to, to the devil. Let the child no longer steal. No, let the thief no longer steal. But rather, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths but only such as is good for that is good for building up as as this the occasion that is that is that is my gift grace to choose who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolishness, talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving... Uh, um, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers of, with them. For you were once in darkness, but you are now uh, light in the Lord, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what it, 
what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light of God, by the light for whatever makes manifest his light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who are asleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you will walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming all the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is disposition, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks will always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as a church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be in their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does to the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let, it, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of your word in love. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will during service as to the Lord and not to them, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters, do the same to them. I'm sorry, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it... I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know affairs, you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen.